Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. We hope this week's message encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Go ahead and open your Bibles, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. We've got a great slide behind me, the family series slide. I saw multiple people looking up, so I was curious what was going on. Uh, So Proverbs chapter 1. For those of you who don't know, my name is Kyle Fox. I serve as one of the pastors here. I get to oversee uh, what happens in our student ministry. Uh, And it is just a real joy to have an opportunity to open God's Word and to learn from God's Word with you. And I wanted to just make a quick note of, if you are new to Westbridge, I just wanted to extend a warm welcome. I've had a few conversations in the last few weeks with people who aren't really familiar with much of a church background or who are newer to Westbridge, and just a warm welcome to you. It can be a bit strange coming into the church, and you're greeted by these super friendly people, and then you sit down and we sing together, and we can kind of forget that... It's a little weird that we're singing. It's not like a concert, but what, what's going on there? And then you listen to a guy talk for, for a few minutes. And so I, I just wanted to say I'm glad you're here uh, and, and encourage you uh, that what we are doing, just to, to bring you into the loop of who you are. See, we are a group of people, and we've had our hearts, we've had our lives changed and saved by Jesus. And so when we sing, we're singing to the Lord because he's commanded us and he's invited us into that. And when we listen to his word, man, we're trying to give our lives to being more formed, more shaped by what he has said. And so this morning, we are starting our new August family series, and we've just been praying that through this series, over the course of the next five Sundays, that God would increase our appetites and our hunger for his wisdom found in his word uh, so that we might display and so that we might reflect the beauty of the one who embodies perfect wisdom, namely the Lord Jesus. And so uh, I mentioned the family series, and I know instantly uh, some of y'all already kind of turned your brains off because you, you don't think that you have a family. Uh, and, and so to be clear, let, let me tell you a little bit about what we're doing with this family series. In these next five weeks, we're going to make some key application points to, to what we hope would be uh, encouragement to seeing our families thrive in Christ. But we're not using the word family restrictively, Okay. So if, if you don't have kids or if you're single, we, we are doing this family series, and it's interesting to me that what, the text that Wes just read out of at the end, Ephesians chapter 2, we see that for those of us who have been saved by Jesus, we've actually been made a part of a new family, a, a family that has roots that run deeper even than the biological family. And then you see it again throughout the course of the New Testament when Paul's addressing the churches and he calls them brothers and sisters. We've been made a part of this new family. So whether you're a student or whether you're single or whether you're married with kids, we're hopeful that through this book we would apply God's wisdom in each area of our lives. 
And we're going to be looking and honing in on some specific areas, areas like conflict, areas like competition and work. And I want to draw your attention and and ask you to mark your calendar specifically for August 22nd. There should be a slide behind me. We're going to be talking about, on that day, the area of sexuality. Uh, Dr. Christopher Yuhan is going to be joining us, and he just has an absolutely incredible story. He was one of my uh, professors, and and his story is one that is marked by uh, some some very real darkness, uh, drugs, eventually being in prison, and, and in the midst of that, God rescues him, and God saves him and changes the trajectory of his life. And, and he's going to be sharing from his own experience, actually, in the realm of sexuality, from his own background. Uh, and, and, man, let me just encourage you, make plans to be there on August 22nd as he talks about specifically the area of homosexuality, an area that is difficult to deal with, and, and what do we do with that as Christians? And, and he speaks compassionately and, and winsomely and yet full of, of wisdom from God's word. So um, feel free to also register for that. Uh, we are going to be providing free lunch. We'll have some afternoon uh, seminars as well. And so, again, August 22nd, just make plans to be there on that day. Uh, so I'll, I'll be honest, which by the way, if you guys get nervous about midway through when it still feels like I'm in my introduction, it's okay, all right? Uh, so I just want to free you from any anxiety that you might feel on that front. It's, it's part of the plan. Uh, I, I want to ask, uh, just, um, when, when John asked me to, to, hey, would you be willing to start off our family series? I, probably quicker than I should have, I was like, yeah, no problem, uh, happy to do that. Um, and, and then the more, the more that I got to thinking about that, the more I thought, you know, I, I don't know if the guy who, John and Tammy just celebrated 30 years of marriage, I'm, I'm not sure that the guy who's been married just over five years, uh, who, who has the shortest marriage on staff, uh, hopefully, hopefully we get longer, just saying, um, uh, who has the youngest kids on staff, uh, I, I don't know if he's the best guy to launch into this family series. Uh, and, and so perhaps you find yourself already thinking uh, or, or at some point thinking, man, who is this guy and what, what's he have to say about family? And that's fair. Uh, right now, what we know is that if you want to do potty training well, the key is M&Ms, okay? Uh, and so M&Ms, a lot of them. Um, but no, seriously, in all, in all honesty, it, it's a tension that you might feel at some point. And I just... I want to encourage us that what we're doing on a Sunday morning, when you hear from John or from Tyson or from myself, whoever it is that's speaking, you're not simply hearing some good advice or some taking their best life experiences. Because at the end of the day, who really cares what I have to say? At the end of the day, what matters is that we know what the Lord has to say. And so, to that end, in his word, we find timeless truth. And so, if we stay close to his word, I think we're going to be in good shape this morning. So, if you haven't already, Proverbs chapter 1 will be on the screen behind me. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1. We'll go ahead and read it. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction 
for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let, let me pray and ask for God's help to understand his word. Father, would you help us in these uh, next moments? Would you uh, deepen our trust in you? Would you uh, shape and form us by your word? We, we certainly need your wisdom, and so we ask even now, as we look at the first few verses of Proverbs, that you would help us. We ask that you would strengthen us, equip us. We pray all this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. I'd like to start and ask you a question. I wonder if we went around the room and I asked each of you, what is your picture of the good life? I'd be curious to know what our answers were. What's, the, what's your picture of the good life for yourself, for your family, for the world? And I think that for the majority of us, that we, we have this idea of what the good life is, this picture of what it is. And so to that end, we have certain goals that we want to see accomplished. We want to see certain circumstances happen so that as a means to an end of achieving this picture and understanding of the good life. Now, now I hope for, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, who, who love Jesus, that, that our picture of the good life is a bit different than the rest of the world. It certainly should be. But, but even still, um, so much of life requires us to make decisions, to make choices that are both big and small. And they're decisions where, where the scriptures are, are not immediately practical. Okay, now, quick pause. Let me explain what I mean. There, there is nothing that is more valuable. There, there is nothing that is more reliable. There is nothing that is more authoritative and instructive and important for our lives as believers than his word. But, but perhaps you feel this in your small groups. Because most of the prayer requests that are being shared are often about some sort of decision or some sort of choice that has to be made. It's worth considering that so much revolves around not a clear uh, right and wrong, a clear instruction from the Lord, but rather something that's neutral. And so I've only been on staff uh, for, for seven months now, so there's still hopefully a lot of time left for this. But up to this point, I've never had uh, somebody approach me and say, you know what, I, hey, I really need you to pray for me. Uh, and the reason that I need you to pray for me is because my boss at work is being quite difficult. And I'm really wondering, do I murder him or not? Um, there's still time for that to happen, but up to this point, it hasn't. Uh, most of it is between two options, neither of which are clearly right or wrong. Do you send your 
kiddo to preschool? Do, do you send them to public school? But if we do that, then they're going to be corrupted by the world. They're already corrupted. Um, do I send them to private school? Well, we can't. How are we going to afford that? Do I send them to, do, do we homeschool? Well, what is, what, how are they going to turn out like that? Um, where should I go to college? Should I have said something in that conversation I didn't at work, and it's because I've been building this bridge with this coworker, and it felt like if I was going to say something, I would have burned the bridge, but I had an opportunity to talk about Jesus there. Should I have said something? Should I make the career change? In those situations, we need what the book of Proverbs has to offer us. In those situations, we need wisdom to make a decision. And perhaps you're familiar with this book and know that it falls into uh, the wisdom genre of, li- of Scripture. And in the five books that fall into this category, so Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, see, they're a bit different than the rest of Scripture. In them, there's no major uh, historical event or some sort of act of God like we see in the narrative portions of Scripture. There's no um, laws given like we see in the law Scripture, in the law section of Scripture. These books are about individuals, and, and often it's far less about applying God's law to the corporate people, but rather to the individual follower of God. And, and I think oftentimes it's why that these books are some of our favorites. And, and so if you're familiar with the book of Proverbs at all, you know that it reads a bit like rapid-firing advice. And the author is using all sorts of linguistic uh, methods and mechanisms to instruct and teach his hearers. For example, instead of saying, don't be lazy, he says, as a door turns on its hinges, so turns a sluggard on its bed. Instead of saying, well, don't, don't join a gang, he says, hold back your feet from the paths of those who make haste to shed blood, and on and on we could go. But, but because of that, it's often why the book of Proverbs can be one of the more misunderstood and misapplied books in our life. I think one of the most common is if you train a child in the way he should go, then when he's older, he will not depart from it. And it's important to know that the book of Proverbs, they are not promises, they are Proverbs. They are uh, general understandings of how life generally works. So that, that one that I just read off about your child, it, it's not a promise. It is a general truth, a general understanding about the way life usually works. And yet, even though they are not promises, they are still incredibly formative and instructive for us in our everyday lives as Christians. They're, they're so helpful for us. It's, it's why Jesus himself in Luke chapter 14, he, he tells a parable, but he pulls that parable from the Proverbs. When Paul in Romans chapter 12 is talking about unity and humility within the church, he, he turns to the Proverbs, James, Peter, 
the author of Hebrews, they all glean from the Proverbs because it is a treasury of practical truths that we need for our everyday lives. Now, lest you think that the the book of Proverbs is just kind of some random and uh, out of left field type of book that just provides instruction to your life, it actually fits quite perfectly into the greater story of the Bible. We, we are a people, we're a generation who we absolutely love story. It's why we love movies, why we love TV shows. We love story. And in Scripture, we find the greatest story that's ever been known, that this good and perfect God creates this perfect and beautiful world. And sin, Satan, and death ravage it. But how God, through the person and work of his son Jesus, begin to put this world back together. And so he's putting our lives back together in relationship to him, in relationship to each other, and in relationship to the world around us. So even as you read through the first nine chapters in the book of Proverbs, which kind of marks off your first section, you see the author, Solomon, he's instructing, he's giving you two visions, two versions, if you will, of the good life. The the way of the wise and the way of the fool. And he's presenting you those two options. He's saying, "Don't, don't live this way. Live, live in this way. And so look at verse 2 and 3, where, where it says for. He, that little three-letter word, for. He's making clear the purpose of his writing. The goal is to impart wisdom to us, to give us direction for our lives, to teach us insight, the ability to discern what is right and good, so that the path that you walk might bring not only you, but the people around you the most flourishing possible. God, through the authors of Proverbs, is showing us the ultimate good life. It's showing us what a life looks like when it's been put back together under the good rule and authority of God. And so in order to make God-honoring decisions in God's world, with God's wisdom in God's way, we need wisdom. So if you're taking notes uh, this morning, here's your big idea. The good life is God-fearing worship that leads to God-given wisdom. We're going to hone in on this idea this morning of wisdom as we kind of look to build a foundation, if you will, for the next four or five weeks. But I want you to notice something that in verse 7, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And it's important to note this distinction here because this idea of knowledge, it's, it's, it's got the connotations of you possess all the facts. You, you know the options that are placed before you. But wisdom, wisdom takes it a step further. And so I say wisdom in this big idea here because in chapter 9, the, at the end of the first section, the author, Solomon, bookends his portion. And, and he says, 
this. In chapter 9, verse 10, he says that the fear of the Lord is not just the beginning of knowledge. He says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So, the fear of the Lord is both the beginning of knowledge and of wisdom. So to that end, we're, we're going to answer three questions in, in the rest of our time together. What is wisdom? Why is it important? Why does it matter? And how do we get it? So what is it? Wisdom is the art of skillful and godly living. It's something that's to be cultivated, something that we grow in. And what I love about this wisdom is that it's for real people dealing in the real world. This wisdom is not a theory or it's not philosophy of like, oh, what even is a decision? Uh, it's, it's real, for real people in the real world. And the wisdom business in Israel was done by practical people like you and I, who every day were faced with different decisions to be made. People like civil servants who were making choices for the people in their care. People like fathers instructing their sons in the way that they should go. People like employers and, and how they treat their employees. And this word wise that we have both in verse 2 and then again in chapter 9, verse 10, it, it's an interesting word because actually in its most basic meaning, it's the same word that we find for skillful. So if you want to look later at Exodus 31, in verse 6 specifically, you see that the craftsmen, there's craftsmen and they're building the temple. And it says that they're working on it in a skilled way. It's the same word that we have here for wise. So, for example, you live wisely when you use a hammer to drive in a nail. You don't live wisely when you use a screwdriver to drive in a nail. If you're using a screwdriver when a hammer is required, you're not living skillfully. You're not living wisely. But this wisdom, it also has a moral or a godly aspect to it, if you will. Look at verse 3. Did, did you notice that wisdom does what is right and just and fair? It not only knows the right thing to do, knowledge, but it actually acts on it. Wisdom. So we, we know this. We, there's a difference between knowing the right thing to do and actually doing it. But this wisdom, it, it's not something that you grow out of needing, ever. Verse 5, if you look at verse 5, it says, Let the wise hear and increase in learning. I think oftentimes we think that wisdom simply comes through age, but hear me, you, you can be 75 years old, and, and be as foolish as a child. We need wisdom to help us live in God's world, in God's way. Wisdom, according to the Proverbs, is the art of skillful and godly living. So we've talked about what it is, but why does it matter? Why does wisdom matter? We, we talked briefly about our decisions it matters because we're faced with decisions each and every day, and those decisions, they really matter, but it's also about our joy. See, there's something that every single one of us has in common. Every single one of us, regardless of what your picture of the good life is, it entails an element, it entails the goal of you being 
happy. We, we want our vision of the good life. And so, therefore, the choices that we make on a day-to-day basis are really because and made to that end. And, and, and hear me, that, that's actually not a bad longing at all. It's actually how God has designed us. It's how he's made us. And it's actually quite incredible news that God has made you to be eternally happy. To, and, and following him leads to your greatest joy imaginable. It's why Psalm 1611 says that in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The problem, though, is that we have pursued our own joy, our own happiness, apart from him. Instead of our vision of the good life being about God-fearing worship, we've made it about lesser things, and that's what the Bible would call sin. So, so listen, if you're a believer in Jesus, God has established this world to work in such a way that you doing good through faith in Christ leads to your ultimate joy. And I say ultimate there intentionally because pursuing God's wisdom and living in a way that pleases him will, I guarantee you, bring trouble and difficulty. Uh, Our Lord Jesus, who was perfectly wise, it just didn't go so well for him. He ends up murdered. Okay? So I I just want to say that because over and over throughout the New Testament, we see that to follow Jesus, it's going to be marked with difficulty and hardship. And yet, it will lead to the greatest joy imaginable. You following following Jesus in the end will be worth it. Now, the reason that I say uh, it's for our joy is because getting wisdom is important in that it is kind of the practical knowledge by which we gain this true and lasting joy. So Proverbs 3, verse 13, I'll read it for you. It says, happy is the man who finds wisdom. Happy is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gets understanding. Proverbs 24, 13 through 14 says, my son, eat honey, for it is good. The drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. And see the comparison. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, There you will have a future, and your hope will not be cut off. In other words, godly wisdom, through godly wisdom, you enjoy a happy and a hope-filled future. So we've talked about what it is, why it matters. Last, how do we get it? The the entry onto the path of wisdom is, is through the gate called the fear of the Lord. The starting place for wisdom is the fear of the Lord. This phrase, the fear of the Lord, is mentioned over 20 times through the course of these 31 chapters. And so, just as a random aside, parents, if you feel like over and over you're just telling your kids the same thing again and again and again and again, take heart. 
Because the wisest man in the world was telling his son the same thing over and over and over. That's instructive for us. But if we really want to live wisely in this world, we must fear the Lord. So, so what does it mean to fear the Lord? Does it mean to fear him like, like I fear snakes? Or, or does it mean to fear him, uh, does that mean something different? Well, if you look closely at verse 7, you, you may notice that the Lord is in all capitals there. And, and that's cluing us into something. It's the name for Yahweh. This name for God that's used when he's speaking about his covenant people and being in a covenant relationship with them. This sovereign ruler who created the world and who sustains it day in and day out, he's the same God who's given you breath, who's given you life. Solomon wants us to feel just how personal this wisdom is. And perhaps you've heard that to fear the Lord is to have a reverential awe of him. And, and I think that's actually a very helpful uh, definition. To fear the Lord is to have a reverential awe of him. But to take it a step further, I, I want to look at two components that I really think this entails. To understand the fear of the Lord is to know who you are without him and to know who you are with him. To know who you are without him, it, it really is to have a sense of terror and dread, if you will. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you've had an experience where you felt just how small you were, where, where if you... Uh, ever been to the mountains or to the Grand Canyon or to the ocean? N none of us goes to those places and thinks, you know who's impressive? Me. No. In those, in those times, like, or if you've been swimming out in the waters and it's like that transition from, man, this was really fun and adventurous to like, I, I mean, I may die right here. Like this, they may make the Castaway movie about me. That may be me next. You feel how small you are. If you've looked up into the sky and you see how vast it is, and if you've never asked the question, why such a big universe? Well, the Bible tells us. In Psalm 19:1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The universe is so big because it tells us about our very big God. And what the Bible says, though, is that Though we were made by him and for him, we have sinned against him. And our state is not that we are naturally good people with good hearts, but rather that apart from him, we are dead in our sin. We are blind, lost enemies against him. So that even on your very best day, your righteousness is like filthy rags to him. And so without him, we rightly stand condemned. But thankfully, we don't have to spend our days without him. To know the fear of the Lord is also to know who we are with him. To know the great truth that he has sent his son to live, 
to die the death that you deserved and to raise from the dead so that now we might live in relationship with him. He takes dead people, as Ephesians 2 says, and makes them alive. He gives sight to the blind. Those who were once enemies are now called friends and even more so called beloved sons and daughters. So actually, to fear the Lord is really to love the Lord, to trust him. You, you have the same coin, you're just looking at two different sides. And when you realize just how awful and terrible your sin is before him, you realize then how wonderful and how great of a Savior that he is. So I, I'd be remiss to not take advantage of an opportunity. If you've, if you've not trusted Jesus, it'd be worthwhile to consider doing today more than worthwhile. It'd be the greatest decision that you can ever make. And there'd be a danger in the coming weeks as we look at kind of each uh, specific area of life. For those of you who don't know Jesus, who don't know what it is to fear the Lord, to hear these things and think, oh man, my life is just going to be better if I do these things. Apart from starting with the fear of the Lord, it will be the way of the fool, as Proverbs 1 says, which doesn't just mean like we're being dumb. It means that you're living in God's world as if there is no God. Wisdom comes from a right relationship with the Creator, and the good news is that every single one of us, regardless of age, regardless of socioeconomic status, regardless of where you are, can enter into relationship with him. And you need to look no further than to Jesus, who is the embodiment of the wisdom of God. But Christian, just so you don't think it's just the starting place of the Christian life, it's, it's actually quite practical. A fear of the Lord informs every facet of our lives. So when you struggle with self-worth or, or wondering if you're valuable, you're, and you're asking, if he, does he really delight in you? You remember what Psalm 147 says, that he delights in those who fear him. When you're in a midlife crisis, and you're disappointed with how your life has turned out, and you're wondering, I feel like the new toy. The new toy is going to be what satisfies. You remember Proverbs 19:23 that says the fear of the Lord will satisfy you. And may God give us each a greater sense, a greater reverential awe, a true and right fear of him. So how do we get it? We start with the fear of the Lord and second and as we close. For those of us who do have a relationship with the Lord, let me encourage you to do two things. To ask and to read over the course of the next 31 days, do these things each day. Ask him for wisdom. James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously. So when you're faced with a decision in the midst of your day and you don't know what to do, ask. Ask the Lord. And, and oftentimes, you know, he'll, he'll make that very clear, but there's plenty of other times where you're not really sure what his wisdom is and what to do, and in that, he's given you his spirit to lead you and to guide you. 
And the very best thing for you to do might be just to do something. To just do something. But don't just ask him for wisdom. We're we're starting today uh, to read one chapter of Proverbs each day as a church for the next 31 days. And and I want to encourage you today, at some point, read Proverbs chapter 1, and then tomorrow, chapter 2, and and so on and so forth. Because the book of Proverbs paints this picture of a life that is marked by wisdom. And, And you can seek wisdom all you want, But unless you have first received the one who is himself wise, you won't ever be defined as wise according to the scriptures. And it's because the good life is God-fearing worship that leads to God-given wisdom. We have a wonderfully generous God who loves to give his wisdom to his people. So let me pray. God, we ask this week as we go about that you would help us to live in a wise way, in a skillful way. Thank you for this book, and we just pray that um, as, as uh, your people here in Danville, Indiana, that we would live our lives and display the beauty of the one who is truly all-wise, namely yourself. We ask this all in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Well, friends, Thank you. Uh, You are dismissed. Go in grace and peace, and may we walk in the wisdom that only God can give. Have a great day. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.